Welcome to Worship. I'm Jason, a pastor here at Schweitzer, and I'm serving as our host for this online worship experience. Today, if you're new worshiping with us for the first time, we would love for you to check in. Let us know that you're here. We've got a Starbucks gift card that we would love to send your way. If you've been worshiping with us for a while, we would invite you to share this with a friend, invite them to watch along with you, worship with you. Also, on February 16th at 6 o'clock Central Time, we've got an event called All In. If you've been worshiping here for a while, you'd like to know how you can take a next step with Schweitzer, how you could fulfill the ministry and mission of God in the place where you live, we invite you to be a part of the All In event. This week, our service is going to be about, you can't buy this. Pastor Spencer is going to talk to us about the Holy Spirit. It's going to be fantastic. Listen with me now for some things, some ways we can connect to Stephanie. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Are you looking for ways to get connected here at Schweitzer? We have several groups that are open and ongoing that you can join during the week. Many of these even meet virtually. We have groups on prayer, sermon discussion, and even some upcoming groups on Lent. Find out more at sumc.co slash groups. This year to begin the season of Lent, we'll be hosting our Ash Wednesday service on February 17th online. This service will feature music and a special message to mark the day. You'll be able to access the service all day long on our website at sumc.co and also on our Schweitzer Church Media YouTube channel. Each week, more and more people are joining us on campus and online. And with that, we're in need of more people to serve as greeters and ushers. If this sounds like an area where you'd like to participate, Find out at sumc.co slash serve. Thanks, Stephanie, for letting us know how we can connect. If you're worshiping live with us, we invite you to use the chat feature. If you'd like to have some prayer, there's somebody in the prayer room. You can touch the prayer button. And KJ is going to lead us in a song of worship. Let's worship together.
Today as we come to a time of prayer, I want to share a prayer with you and invite you to pray along with me called the Sacred Heart of Jesus Prayer. In the last few weeks, I've had some conversations with some folks that have just found themselves it's like in a unique place and this prayer seems to fit what they're going through, what they're experiencing. So I'd like to share this prayer with you and invite you to pray it along with me. And then we'll have a time where we can uh, lift up our, our private prayers to the Lord and then we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. So let's pray together. O most holy heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, I adore you, I love you, and with a lively sorrow for my sins, I offer you this poor heart of mine. Make me humble, patient, pure, and wholly obedient to your will. Grant, good Jesus, that I may live in you and for you. Protect me in the midst of danger. Comfort me in my afflictions. Give me health of body assistance in my temporal needs and your blessing in all that I do and the grace of a holy death. Amen. And now I invite you to join me in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A part of worship is, is offering something to the Lord. Your tithes and your offerings, they make a profound difference. They're part of what makes it possible that we can worship online and in person, all different kinds of ways. We're really grateful for your offering, for the way that your faithfulness to the Lord makes great things happen all around us. So today, if you'd like to give as an act of worship, you can go to sumc.co slash give, or you can use the church app and give that way. Thank you so much for being faithful and obedient and joyfully giving to the Lord. Now we're going to continue in worship with the song, How Great Thou Art. Oh 
Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. This is going to be part six of our series called All Together Now. We're going to be in Acts chapter eight. So if you have your Bibles at home, I encourage you to follow along with us. We're also going to be celebrating communion today. So if you have supplies, you'll definitely want to join us as we are going to end this message with celebrating uh, communion. Um, Acts tells the story of the early church. And so we're starting this year off reading from the the very first chapters of the book of Acts, reading about how the, the very first Christians started in this movement that swept the world and changed history. And as we read through this. We're we're reading story after story after story of just women and men, normal people who God uses to change the world. And as we go through this series, my my hope is that you're seeing yourself in some of these people because we just, we see that God has a way of using just ordinary, normal people like you and me to make a big difference in the world. Now, the book of Acts opens with a promise, and we have been reading this promise every week. It's so important. This is our sixth time to read it. Hopefully, it's sounding to sound very familiar to you. Maybe you've memorized it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this. He says to his his disciples, to the entire church, all of the Christians alive, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This promise, it sets the stage for the rest of the book of Acts. It sets the stage for all of church history. It sets the stage for the church even today. Like if you want to understand what is the church about, it is about this promise that God's power would come upon us and that we would be so filled with the spirit that we would make a difference in the world, that we would be his, his witness. And, and, and the witness we have in the world that comes from the power of God at work in us. And, and certainly we could try to do things in our church and in our lives by ourselves and our own power. But what we really need in our churches, we need the power of God to come upon us come upon us as, as the gift of the Spirit is given to us. And those two words I just used in that sentence are really, really important. I just use the words power and gift. Those are two words we're gonna be talking about a lot today, power and gift. And so hold on to those two words as we read through Acts chapter eight, power and gift. Here we go. Acts eight, verse one. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, that day that we're reading about here in Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 8, verse 1, I'm sorry, is, is the day that Stephen dies. This is what we read last week. We're picking up right where we left off from last week. And last week we read the story of, of the seven men who were chosen by the apostles to, to hand out the food and take care of the widows. And, and one of those men, Stephen, becomes the very first Christian martyr. Really, really fascinating. The first Christian martyr is not an apostle, but it's somebody who worked in the food ministry, somebody who, who helped take care of others. And, and so Stephen is the story of, of a witness who is faithful in both life and in death. And as he gives his life for the sake of Christ, it's an incredibly sad story as we read um, about Stephen and, and how he's given his life um, for the sake of, of the church. But what we're going to see now is that this persecution that's, that's breaking out into the world is going to scatter the church. And they're going to continue to be a witness wherever they go, because that's the promise. Remember, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Wherever they go, they're going to keep being a witness. And so we keep reading here. Verse 2 says, Godly men buried Stephen, and they mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And so Saul here, of course, will, in one chapter from now, Acts chapter 9, he'll become Paul, as he meets Jesus, the persecutor of the church, 
will meet Jesus and become the champion of the church. And of course, Paul will go on to write 13 letters of the New Testament. He'll start churches all over the Roman Empire, which is why his name changes from Saul to Paul, so he can become more, uh, more familiar, more easily relatable to the churches. He goes in the Greek-speaking areas because Paul is the, basically the Greek version of the, of the name Saul. And so as he goes to this, his, his life is going to be transformed, and he becomes this incredible testimony about how God is able to change absolutely everyone's life. Let's so keep reading here about, about this, this persecution and the spread that's happened. Verse four says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Philip is one of the seven who was chosen to hand out food, just along with Stephen. And now Philip, we're going to focus in on Philip for, the, for chapter eight in two weeks. This week and next, we're going to read about Philip, how he is going to go and, and share the good news wherever he goes. And again, he's in Samaria now. And so we, we have this promise that's, that's being um, fulfilled, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, wherever he goes, he's going to share the good news of what Jesus has done and be a witness for him. So to keep reading here, it says, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Philip comes to town and the power of God is at work in him. I mean, the power of God is, is demonstrated here. And so, so we come back to those, those two words I wanted you to hold on to, right? One of them was power. The other one was gift. Let's, let's talk about this power of God that's at work in him. And, and we see it clearly here in Acts chapter eight, as, as people are being healed, as people are being um, freed from demonic possession, there's all kinds of miraculous things that, that God is doing through Philip. And of course, we've seen this before in the book of Acts. Acts chapter three, several weeks ago, we looked at a story where Peter and John were in the temple and they, and they heal this man who is, who is lame. And then we think about Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and they begin to speak in tongues. And we see the, the power of God at work in them as they lead many people, 3,000 people to the Lord that day. And we've seen the power of God at work in other ways too. We've seen the power of God at work when, when uh, the people are transformed, when uh, folks become bold and sharing their faith as, as, as the Spirit enables people to be a witness wherever they go. This is the power of God. Of course, this is the promise that the whole book of Acts is based on, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit fills your life, power becomes a part of, of what happens to us. We receive the power of God in our life. Now, the Greek word there for power, when the, Holy, the power comes out from the Holy Spirit, that Greek word that's translated as, as power is the word dunamis, which is where in English we get words like dynamite or dynamic. And this word dunamis is, is really fascinating to me because it's, it's not like a, a theoretical kind of word. Like when the Greek word is describing this power that we have the Holy Spirit, it's not like a, let's talk about this kind of power and discuss it and sit in Bible studies and discuss what this might mean for us. No, 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 like the power of God that fills our life. It's, it's, more, like, it's more like how we go and do these things. Like it's a, it's a word to describe like doers. That's how I think about the dunamis of God, the power of God that comes in our life. It's, it's like the doers happen. And, and if you, you, you know doers or you are a doer, you, you kind of know what this is like. like. Like doers are people 
They just have this like energy. They just gotta like they just gotta go do. They can't just sit down and watch Netflix for a few hours. They just like gotta do things. Gotta check things off their list. And if you're married to a doer or or you have one in your family, it can kind of be annoying sometimes because just like sit down, sit down, sit down. But but doers, they have this this energy. They they just they just gotta go do. And so what I think about dunamis, this power of God in our life, I, I can't help but think of just doers because I think this is what it's like. Is that when the power of God fills our life, we just gotta do. We have this motivation and this drive and this passion that we gotta tell the world. We can't just sit back and be passive and wait for it to happen. No, no, no. Like when the power of God comes in our life, we, we have this new drive that we want to share this with absolutely everyone. The power of God it enables us and it makes us bold and it courageous and, and it inspires us to, to not just sit back and be passive, but to go and do, And which is another thing you see in the book of Acts. I mean, story after story after story in the book of Acts is just, it's story of activity. People weren't waiting around. They weren't just sitting back and observing. They weren't forming committees and study groups and they weren't working through bureaucracy. Like they were just going to do, they were sharing the good news however they could, whenever they could, because this is what the, the power of God does in us, it, is it enables us, it it makes us bold. It gives us motivation and drive and it helps us see what it is that we can do in the world and, and it helps us to live in a different kind of way that we might share this with others. This is the power of God that's available for you and for me. And so Philip comes to town. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of God at work in him. And God is at work as he proclaims the good news of Jesus. So let's keep reading here. In verse nine, it says, for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. Now, let's talk about that word for just a second, sorcery. We have Simon the sorcerer, which is a weird thing for us to hear. Like, what in the world is that about, sorcery? What is Simon doing as a sorcerer? Other translations of the Bible might use the word magic there. And in the ancient world, and really still in some parts of the world today, sorcery was was kind of like a religion. It was like big business as well. Sorcery was was this way of, of going about the world and seeing the world that, that, that you could get help for problems you had by going to the sorcerer, the, the magician. This is how the world works. So if you have someone who's sick in your life, you go help, get help from the sorcerer. If you had enemies you wanted to get even with, you go get help from the sorcerer. If you had, had, had needed success in business, you go get help from the sorcerer. And this is, this is the way the world worked in the ancient world and, and still works in some places around the world today. A few years ago, maybe 2018, I think it was 2018, I was in Haiti and I was, I was on this trip and we were, we were working to bring clean water and sanitation to this little village in Haiti. And I was getting a tour around the village one day. It was a very rural place, pretty far from Port-au-Prince. And, and we were getting this, this tour around, around this little village. And this, this guy was showing me houses and the places where people were, the old wells that they were using, the dirty river that, that people were still bathing in and drinking from. And, and we got to see the Methodist church there in town because it was being organized to so this Methodist church, which was really cool to see because it was just this open air building. And um, the Methodist church was, was working to bring this, this new uh, clean water and sanitation to their village. And it was really cool because the Methodist Methodist church worked off of kind of the old school Methodism of circuit riders where the, where the preacher would come to town on a bicycle, and, but the lay people were the ones who, who did all the ministry and the lay people were the ones who were trying to get clean water into town. So I was getting this tour around this little village and this guy who was leading me, 
Um, we walked back to this building that had all the kinds of strange markings on it. I, I asked him what it was, and, and in my very limited French from high school and his very limited English from who knows where, I, I learned that this was the voodoo house. This is what Simon's doing, essentially. It's the house of magic. It's the house where you go if you have problems. And, and the way that this magic worked in the ancient world and in some places in the world today, even though it feels really strange to us, is that what you were trying to do with this, this magic, this sorcery, was to manipulate the gods into doing what you wanted them to do. And so therefore, you might have certain spells, you would say, incantations. You'd start to say the right words in the right kind of way. And if you did that, then the gods would be manipulated into doing what you want them to do. Or you might bring a sacrifice. And the point of the sacrifice was to manipulate the gods into performing the thing that you needed them to do. And it's all about manipulation. How do you manipulate the gods or the forces or the powers in the world to work on your side, to be in your corner? And then along comes Philip. And he's got this very different message because Philip's not preaching that you need to manipulate the gods. He's not preaching that you've got to like twist their arm into working for you. He's preaching that the one true God is already in your corner, that he loves you, and that the proof of his love is that he gave his one and only son for you. This is the message of the good news. And so the people respond to this. We keep reading here in um, verse 12 is their response. It says, when they believed Philip, uh, but when they believed Philip as uh, he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon, the sorcerer, himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw because he saw the true power of God at work, transforming lives. Verse 14 says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that, that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they uh, received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given to the laying on of, of the apostles' hands, he offered them money because... Simon sees this as a business opportunity. Simon's like, hey, let's franchise this. Let's make some money off this. Let's have some dollar signs involved here. I got a new, new profession. So he offered them money, verse 19, and he said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, this is so important. Underline it in your Bible if you're following along. It says, Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. And you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. And the power of God has been at work here. And this big question over, overhangs this entire chapter, this question that Simon is asking of like, how do you get the power of God in your life? How do you get the Holy Spirit in your life? Which brings us back to the two words I wanted you to hold on to. Power, which we've already talked about, and also gift, power and gift. How do you receive the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, uh, Simon's uh, answer to that is simple. 
You buy it. That's how you get the Holy Spirit in your life. That's how you get the power of God in your life, is you, you buy it. And while that might sound strange to us, I, I think it also may be a little bit familiar because a lot of us um, approach God with, with maybe not the same thing we try to buy the gift of God for us, but, but rather um, sometimes we think that we have to earn the, the work of God in our life. We have to earn the blessing of God. We have to earn the power of God. We have to earn the healing and the blessing and all that God wants to do. We have to earn it. And it's the same kind of thinking about what, what, what Simon's doing here is you got, you got to buy it. But here's the truth. Um, the Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life because you buy it. The Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life because you earn it. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in your life because you deserve it. The truth is, the Holy Spirit comes into your life because He is a gift that's been given to you. He's a gift. Everything God does in our life is because he's a, he's a gift that's been given to you. I think about what Peter says in Acts 8, verse 20. This is exactly what Peter said, he, that the Spirit is a gift to us. And so when Simon offers him money, here's what Peter said. One more time, I want to read this to you. He said, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the, here's the word, gift of God with money. I think about other things in the Bible where, where the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift. Um, Jesus said this in Luke 11, verse 13. He said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good, listen to the word, gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Acts 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 45, the circumcised believers who had, not, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. And just, just, just a few examples there of, 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 of a lot more that I could offer you about how the Holy Spirit can't be bought or earned. It's not something you deserve. It's just, it's something that God does as a gift into your life, which of course, anytime we talk about what God does in our life, we talk about it as a gift. Like this is the way God relates to us as God gives us gifts. God gives to us and our response to God giving is that we receive. This is the whole nature of our relationship with God is that God gives and, 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 and then we receive. And that, that can be hard to wrap our mind around because nothing else in life works like this. Nothing else in life comes at us with just gifts with no strings attached. No, nothing we've earned or deserved is just simply something that, that is given for you that you might receive. I think about Ephesians chapter two, for instance, that describes all of the giving that God does for us. Let me read to you some of Ephesians chapter two. This is a verse, starting in verse four. This is Paul, and he writes this. He says, because of his, that is God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This word grace, what that word means is God's, um, unmerited, undeserved favor that he gives to you. Grace is a gift that he offers to you. And this gift makes you alive. This gift gives you salvation. This gift um, is, is the work that God has in our life. We keep reading through here. Verse six, Paul writes, God raised us up with Christ. This is the gift. And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. The incomparable, I love that line, the incomparable riches of his gift, the depth of his gift that he wants to offer to you, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace, his, his gift, that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast because you can't buy this blessing, you can't buy this work that God is doing. You don't 
earn it or work for it. It's just simply a gift. And so when I read through verses like Ephesians 2, which is why I wanted to read it to you this today, was, was what I see in Ephesians 2 or in other places in the Bible like this, is I just see gift after gift after gift after gift being given for you. This is how God relates to us, is He gives he gives. And our role in this is just to receive. This is the work of faith, is that we just receive what it is that God wants to do because what God does is He gives. And His expectation for us is that we are going to receive because we don't earn it, we don't buy it, we don't deserve it. It's just something He wants to do in our life as He wants us to receive, which can be a hard thing to wrap our mind around. It makes me think of my, my friend uh, Tiffany. Tiffany is somebody I went to seminary with, and uh, after seminary, she and I both served at the very, our first job out of seminary, pastoral job together at the same church. We're both associate pastors at this church. And uh, and Tiffany, later on, um, she is now a a Navy chaplain, serves in the Navy as a chaplain there. And and, But coming out of a seminary, you have to serve for two years before you can go into the Navy. And so she served these two years um, at the same church as, as me. And so on her last Sunday, the senior pastor of that church, his name is Tom, he, he called me aside that week and he's like, hey, you need to come to the eight o'clock service this week. And I was like, I don't normally go to that service. I didn't really know why. He just kind of looked at me. He's like, trust me, you'll want to be there. So I went to the eight o'clock service that week and, and I was just sitting in the back of the room and, and, and I went through the whole service. I didn't really know what was going to happen. You know, we did the sermon and the songs and the prayers and everything there. And finally, at the end of the service, Tom stands up to dismiss everybody and he calls Tiffany Ford because it's her very last Sunday. I mean, the next day she's leaving for the Navy because she's done her two years and and, and he, Tiffany stands up and he starts to thank Tiffany for the work that she's done and, and all that she's done for the, for the church. And now she's going to go serve the country and just started to thank her for all of that. And, and then Tom started to talk about um, kind of a tangent for, for several minutes. And she's just kind of standing there awkwardly. So he goes off on this tangent, but, but he starts to talk for several minutes about how you become a pastor. And he starts to talk about how when you become a pastor, you got to go to undergrad and get a bachelor's degree. And then you got to go to seminary, and, which is essentially graduate school. And start talking about how expensive it is because a lot of these seminaries are in metro areas. She and I both went to SMU, which is in Dallas, and it's expensive. And you got to take out loans for books and tuition and to live, and it, it just gets very expensive. And he started talking about how um, a lot of pastors, we don't really talk about this very often, but a lot of pastors come out with a lot of debt and they make what we call a Methodist church called the minimum salary. So it's difficult to pay back all of this debt that you came with. And so he looks at Tiffany after going off on this tangent. She's looking a little bit confused. And he says to her, Tiffany, we don't want you to be burdened for the next 25 years with this debt that you carry. So there's a few families in the church that have come together and we want to give you a gift to help you with this debt. And so we put the number on the screen here. So we just want you to turn around and and to see um, how much we've raised for you to, to... to receive. And so she turns around and looks at the screen and they put the number up and it's like $65,000, which is the full amount of her debt. Tiffany falls to the ground weeping. I'm sitting in the back of the sanctuary watching her just fall to the ground weeping. Tom has to help her up and I can just hear her from the back of the room. All she's saying is, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, just overwhelmed by the magnitude of the gift. Like when I think about the gift that God's given us. I can't help but think of Tiffany as she, as she experienced this, just this overwhelming gratitude of what has been given to her. And I think about what her response to that gift was. I mean, she didn't have to do anything for it. She was on her way out to start a new job the very next day. Like she didn't have to earn it. She didn't have to deserve, like she was on her way out the door and, and there's like no strings attached to this gift. It's just something that has been given to her. All she had to do was receive it. She needed to endorse the check and put it in the bank. That's all she had to do was just simply receive it. So I think about the promise. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The promise, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How do you get the Holy Spirit in your life? How do you get the power of God in your life? You don't buy it. You don't earn it. You don't work to deserve it. You simply receive it. Because the power of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit is exactly that as a gift. God wants to give and he wants you to receive. This is the whole nature of our relationship with him is that he wants to give. And so today, as, as we're gonna wrap up in just a moment, I, I wanna invite you to receive what the Lord might have for you. This is the act of faith, is that when we start to receive and to believe it is true that what God has given to us is, is a gift and we just need to accept this into our life. For you, may you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, the gift of courage and boldness, motivation and drive, eyes to see how you can be a witness, gifts of, of, uh, of, of spiritual gifts in your life. This is what God wants to do for you. Or, or, or maybe as you receive the gift today, whatever God wants to do in your life, maybe it's the gift of salvation, the gift of being made alive, like we read in Ephesians chapter two, the gift of, of being seated with Christ, the gift of, of life eternal. How do you get that? You just, you just receive it. This is how God works in our life. He gives and we receive. How do you get the Holy Spirit in your life? He gives and, and, and you receive. And today we're, we're gonna celebrate that exact relationship, this love of God that's been poured out for us that he gives and we receive. And we're gonna celebrate this through a meal of bread and wine. And so if you have your bread and wine available at your house, we're gonna celebrate this meal that is all about all that God has done and given for you. Because you see, we take bread and we break it. And as we break the bread, we remember what Christ has done. We remember that the last night that Jesus spent with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples to eat. And he said to eat from this because it was his body broken for them. The bread represents to us the, the cross and the body of Christ that was given for us. How, how he gave his life for you and for me that we might have life eternal and life to the abundance in him. In the same way, we take a cup of wine and we remember how Christ, how Jesus took the cup of wine and he gave it to his disciples to take and said, drink from this. This is for you and for many. And it's the, it's the new covenant of the forgiveness of sins. That's a word he used, a, a covenant, a promise for the forgiveness of sins. And so we take a cup of wine and we remember the blood of Christ that has been shed for us. We remember the body of Christ has been given for us. We remember the gift of God that has been given for us, that we might simply receive all that he has in our life. And so today we're gonna to pray over this meal and we're gonna receive this gift. In our lives, let's today receive whatever the Lord wants to give to us. And so Father, today, as we prepare our hearts to receive this meal, we thank you for the gift of your son that's been given for us. The gift of salvation, the gift of life, the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes into our life. And so Lord, today we wanna to receive this. We wanna receive the work that you wanna do in our lives by faith as we put our hope and our trust in you. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill us with your power? Would you fill us with courage and boldness that we might be a witness? Because we know that all of this work, it doesn't come from us. It comes from you. The work to be a witness, it comes from you. As we take this meal of bread and wine today, we remember your great love shed for us, given for us. We ask that you might pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts, wherever we may be taking them of bread and wine, 
that they might be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we might be the body of Christ shed for the world, given for the world. Lord, we might be you as a witness for everything for you. So God, today, would you fill us with your spirit that we might receive what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So I invite you to take bread, to break it, to take wine, to dip the bread into the wine and to take and receive today the gift of God in your life. Amen.
so good to join together in worship today, celebrate the gift that God has given to us. I want to say thank you to those who helped make this service happen. Uh, Jason, Stephanie, our worship team, thank you Mary and Jen for leading us in song today. You all make a big difference to our church. We're so thankful for your gifts that you offer us each week. Um, if this has been helpful for you, I encourage you, who can you share this with? A good news message of the gift of God that has been given for you, for me, and for absolutely everyone. Let's be a witness to the world of what God can do through us. Have a great week. Amen.